Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Good morning. All right, friends. Uh, First time to be here in the Tower Theater. We used to office here, which is where we met Tim and Leslie and all the team, really, really grateful. Today, we're going to talk about the subject called Jesus. Is that cool? Good. Jesus the Liberator. And so, if you will, let me pray for me with you. Ready? Jesus, we love you. We give you this morning. We give you our time. Would you open us up? Would you do surgery? Would you open us up? Would you give us hope? Would you open us up and awaken us and show us what your plans are in our life? Would you open us up this morning and connect us with your very heart? In your name, for your purpose, amen. So some of you, um, you know, you come in from different places. Some of you came this morning and you have no idea. Some of you looked at that clock that skipped an hour and you're like, seriously, no, and you hit snooze. Raise your hand if you hit snooze. Yeah, all right, some snoozers in the crowd. Um, some of you, you, you basically are like, I don't know why I'm here. I won't have you raise your hand. Uh, and then some of you are like, yeah, this is just what we do, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you some concepts that might um, be very, very simple and very, very sticky, but I promise you'll never forget them. And that's our goal today is to give you some things that you can take and, and uh, share with other people and really for yourself you can be encouraged in a significant way. Um, So I run a company called Giant, and we work globally. Um, We work in about 20 countries. Um, We're here in Oklahoma City, we travel most of the time. Most of our world is on Zoom calls. Uh, We have teams all over, and, um, but the, the fun part about this is Tim asked me to share this, and it's a tool that I'm gonna share, and it's a concept um, called the Support Challenge Matrix. Now, I'm going to share this tool with you, and I'm going to teach it to you, and then I'm going to unpack it from a Jesus perspective of where it comes from. What we've figured out is that um, most adults in the world are cynical know-it-alls who don't read anymore. Anyone? Raise your hand if that's you. Um, and you have attention issues yourself, Right? Most people in the room. So what happens is, um, have you guys ever seen these devices before? Have you guys ever seen these? Yeah, they're called smartphones. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And these devices have changed the way that we learn. And so what we figured out to do, we do people development with like Google or like uh, the Air Force, big companies, small companies. And what we figured out is the cynical know-it-allism inside all of us, we had to go through and sear all of it to bring truth. And so what we've done is we've taken scripture and unpack it and put it into visual format and the world then gets to use it in unique ways. They don't know that necessarily, but that's what's happening, is they're unpacking truth and we're putting it in. This happens to be Revelations 5. I'll explain it to you in a minute. Uh, but it's, a, it's an idea that is a game changer because what we do is we create visual tools like mirrors. You stare at the mirror, all of a sudden you see the broccoli in your teeth, um, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's me, I do that. And then you see the broccoli and then you get the broccoli out yourself. Make sense? That's how it works. It's called self-awareness. We're doing it with the Holy Spirit. So today we're going to look at this and we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in us to make us more like Jesus. Cool? So here we go. I'm going to teach the tools. Really simple. 
There happens to be high support, low support, high challenge, low challenge. Support means um, helping, equipping, resourcing, giving what people knew to do that. No, giving what people need to do their job. So whatever that is, it's, it's high support. High challenge is motivating, challenging, uh, pushing people. So when you have all of them, high support and high challenge, you have a tendency to liberate. Those are the best leaders in the world. Top right corner, best leaders in the world are those who bring high support and high challenge consistently. Now, all of us have experienced the, the other quadrants. Very few of us have probably experienced very many people in our life that have been so for you that they pushed you to the next level. That's someone who liberates on a consistent level. Most of us have probably experienced either the top left or the bottom right. The top left are high support people, people who bring high support but low challenge, so they hint a lot. So what they do is the, those who protect, they hint, like, hey, big week next week. You ready? Everything good? Right? Yeah? And that hinting doesn't bring expectations very well. So it's yellow because they're Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. They'll kind of get a lot of rah-rah, and then three days later, they'll come and bring a little challenge, and it doesn't, it's not very consistent. Or we've experienced the bottom right, which is high challenge, low support. Come on, get your head. You get, hey, if you don't want this job, you know, that kind of like coach, the boss who's yelling, someone in your life who's like pushing you, but you don't feel like they're for you. It feels like they're against you. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you've ever experienced someone like that in your life. Could be a teacher, could be a uh, um, boss, could be a parent, uh, could be a spouse, could be anyone in your life who is challenging you but is not showing you support. So where this came from, where I created this in the very beginning was um, I lived in Russia and um, in the early 90s, so right after the fall of communism. And I lived right across from this massive um, skyscraper, it was called Stalin Tower. And Stalin built it as a symbol of his power. No building could be higher than Stalin Tower. And the building had gargoyles all over it. It was the most ominous, scary-looking building you've ever seen. And I'm living right across literally two blocks from it. So every night, I would look out my window and see Stalin Tower. And it was a power play. It was basically like, I'm in control. And Stalin was one of the most brutal dictators. He killed more people than Hitler. Um, he's killed I mean, probably one of the most dominating people in our history ever. And so um, one day I was going to work and we were, you know, I went to the subway and got on the subway and on my way to my office, um, I see this guy taking a speaker out of an apartment and he's got a speaker over his head and he walks right in front of me to a trash dump and goes, Rah! and throws it down and the speaker blew up. And I'm like, all right. I'm like, yeah, didn't like that speaker. And then the next guy comes and then another person, another person, and I'm standing there and about 20 people come with a speaker and threw it over their head. And I'm like, what's going on? So I look at a guy and like, like, what's going on here? What are you doing? And the guy goes, um, he explained the whole situation. In the Soviet system, 
the government would put a sound system in a music box in every kitchen, in every dining room. And you couldn't turn it off, you could just turn it up or down. And it played music 24-7, but it was also a listening device. Now, 14 million listening devices, 14 million people couldn't listen to 14 million people. So you didn't know if they were listening to you. And it had been about a year and a half after, about this point in time, about a year and a half, and finally this guy rips this off and starts to liberate his apartment complex. Does that make sense? He was like, no more, no more, there's freedom here. He was the liberator, and by the time I came home that night, there was probably 250 boxes piled up. It just started with one person who went after liberation and actually created freedom for everybody else. So what I watched in watching the Soviet system, to watching communism and 70 years of communism, the domination, the culture of fear and manipulation, what it produced was abdication. The people were gray, the, there was low expectations, it was kind of apathetic. It didn't produce liberation, empowerment, and opportunity. Okay, now this is not a civics lesson. This is just simply an example of one of the things I experienced. So what I want to do now is unpack it and show you the next slide, which is basically this, that Jesus is the liberator, obviously. He's the liberator. And high support in Scripture is the lamb. High challenge is the lion. Jesus is a lamb and a lion. That's where this tool came from that was built on, that the best leader in the world was Jesus as a lamb and Jesus as a lion. High support, high challenge. Now the problem is if you only view him as a lamb and a lot of the church, the traditional religious Christian view him as a lamb, oh, he's so nice, so cuddly, that lamb. Oh, I love Jesus. He's just so, and they miss the lion that he is. That makes sense? So, and then you have others who don't know Jesus who are afraid of him, so they only see him as a lion. They don't understand the lamb. And on Revelations 5, it talks about on the throne, the lion of, of Judah is like a lamb. It's hard to explain, but the idea of high support and high challenge puts it together, that he's both. So I spent about uh, four years of my life only reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's all I read over and over and over again. And I did it in a different construct. I had a, um, a, a really strong mentor who helped me with this, and he, he challenged me to read it like this. And I read it first from God's view to Jesus, and then I would reread it, Jesus' view to God, and then I would reread it, Jesus to the world, Jesus to the disciples, then I'd reread it, Jesus to the church or the, the Pharisees, the religious and then Jesus to the demons or to, to Satan. And when you read Scripture, when you read the Bible through that context, you'll understand Jesus in a much, much different way. And what happened is, what I believe is, if you read Paul, like anything past Acts, then you can, you can and not really understand the context of Jesus, you can create any denomination, any church, anything. You have to. We have to understand the context of how Jesus, who he is, and you know what he is? He's a lamb and he's a lion. 
He's high support and he's high challenge. If you go through, and I can open up the scripture right here and go through anything. I'll start in Luke. And you go, okay, um, let's see here. Um, when you go the calling of uh, the faith of the centurion, well, that's high support. Jesus anointed by a sim- uh, sinful woman, you go, well, that's high support. Um, healing of a demon-possessed man, that's high challenge. Um, you know, you can go through and see support and challenge throughout the whole thing and truly understand who Jesus really, really is because Jesus is a liberator. And so here's what happened with God's plan. God's plan was for liberation. God's plan was for him to move in. For centuries, man had followed the law and the law wasn't producing So he basically brought himself, and Jesus is the format. Jesus is the actual liberator. And God's plan was to bring himself to come on earth and show himself in a different way. But everyone on earth wanted him to do something different. Have you ever noticed that when Jesus came, everyone wanted him to be the ruler of Israel? Like, yes, all right, we've got got someone who's going to take Israel and make us a... A Christian Israel. Like, no, that wasn't the intent. The intent was bring the kingdom. So here's what Jesus did. I'm going to show a few verses of what Jesus did. So if you go to the next one, next slide. So Jesus liberates and then Satan dominates, right? So I'm going to read just a couple of things that he does real, real fast. So in, uh, in Mark, you'll notice um, in Mark 1, the very, very... Uh, first chapter, he talks about his role and what Jesus did. Sorry, one moment. Mark one thirty-five. Basically, um, very early. Well, hang on. Can you put up Mark one thirty-five? I think I have it. Or Mark, keep going. Got a couple of slides. There we go. Mark one thirty-two. There we go. The thirty-four. Here's what Jesus did. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So what Jesus did, and if we go back, I'm sorry, I threw you off. If you go back to the um, uh, Jesus Liberate slide, what Jesus does is he basically brings liberation through his power. So God's plan was that Jesus would bring liberation through high support and high challenge, through healing, casting out, and raising up. So what Jesus does is Jesus then is the inner intercedes for us, and Satan, he accuses us. Now I'm going to get into this here in a minute. We're going to talk about it. We know in John 10.10, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. We also know that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy So the role of Jesus as liberator is that he basically comes in and liberates. He frees. So there was a moment that happened in Scripture in Luke 7 that uh, Jesus um, Jesus was with John the Baptist's disciples. And John the Baptist guys were like, hey, you're the right one, right? Like, you're, you are the, the, the one that we've been waiting for, right? And so Jesus was like, yes. Um, John's disciples told him all about these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask him, are you the one that we should expect? 
And when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to come to you. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? And at that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and you have heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away from me because of these things. So where I'm going is this. God's plan for liberation was several things. Number one, we, we spent a lot of time on the cross, and the cross is so unbelievably important. We're not discounting that at, at all. But there was more that happened. When the cross happened, when Jesus died on the cross, he said it is finished, but it's also just beginning. Meaning it was not the end, it was the start. But Jesus had to come and show the type of liberation that God planned. But God's, God's plan was not just to save us so that we could one day go to heaven. His plan was to save us so that we're new creation. The old is gone. And the way that he did it was healing, casting out, and raising up. If you look through Scripture over and over, that's all you can read. You can read healing, casting out, and raising up. He even goes to his town, to um, um, Nazareth, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. So then he goes to his hometown, uh, Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, and as, he, as was custom, and he stood up and read the scroll of Isaiah 6. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the favor, the year of the Lord's favor. And it was like, mic drop, and then he sat back down, right? And so the mic drop of Jesus is this. Jesus walked into a place that wasn't used to healing. They weren't used to casting out or raising up. If you'll go to the next, there you go. Uh, healing, casting out, raising up. They had experience stealing, killing, and destroying. And their answer and solution to that was the Pharisees' religion. Jesus changed everything. And what he did is he came in and he showed the power of God, not just the words of God. It was word and power. It was spirit and truth. It was the combination of head and heart. See, what happens was Jesus would go and heal. When he would spend time healing, all of a sudden people would go, I just saw that. That just happened. Oh, my goodness. And it was like, uh, I remember Clark Griswold on Christmas vacation when the lights went like that, and all of a sudden the house went. It was like the electricity hit, and it was when the head and the heart combines. And the beauty of Scripture, of Jesus, was he was basically connecting people because they had gotten so into the rules, so into the law that they had missed the power. And the only way that Jesus could really show the power of God, show God, was to connect. Because when you see someone die and raise, it does something to you. 
when you see someone get healed, you change, right? When you see some demon being cast out, something's different. My point is God's plan for liberation was to bring himself into the world and start changing the game for every, everyone. And the way he changed it was change their mindset. So Jesus would say things to his guys. You've heard it say this, but I tell you this. He was changing the mindset. All right, so that's what Jesus did. There is a lot of scripture. If you can go on to the next slide. Uh, we've got Mark 4.23. Go ahead and tee that up for me, please. Thank you. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching their synagogues, proclaiming the good news, healing disease and sickness among the people. Do the next one, too, if you don't mind. Luke 4.40. At sunset, the people brought Jesus, all who had various kinds of sickness, laying on hands, healed them. Moreover, the demons came out of many people, shouting, you are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Messiah. See, the demons knew who Jesus was before the people knew who he was. That was the reality. So the demons knew the people didn't. And Jesus' plan was this. God's plan to change the world happened in three years. It's a three-year plan to change the world. Jesus showed up. He, take, he took 12 nobodies. Uh, if you're a nobody, if you're just a bloke like me, raise your hand if you're a bloke. Okay, so he took just 12 of us. And he moved us to Meeker, Oklahoma, it was like going to Meeker, literally. It was like out in the middle of nowhere. Just me. He moved him out into Galilee, into the area. It was not this capital. And he started to take these guys, and he said to them at the very beginning, follow me, right? Follow me, by the way. Do you know what follow me means? Do what I do. Mimic me. Not just follow me. Like, be me, with me. So mimic me is the way that you can think of when you think of follow me. So what did he say? What, so if we are all of us, let's say all of us were a part of that gathering and entourage with Jesus, because it was, it was basically 72 people or so. So if you think about all of us that were following Jesus, what would we, what would we do? Three years of being with him, and he says mimic me. Well, what did he do? Everywhere he went, he proclaimed the kingdom of God, healed the sick, cast out demons, and he raised the dead. That's what he did. And he did that a few times. Most of his time was healing and casting out. So if we are followers of Jesus, what do we do? Go to Sunday services and be in Bible studies. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. Hang on. What do we do? Proclaim the kingdom heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, I mean, right? This is the challenge I'm bringing to you guys. If you read this Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John with Acts, then you have to ask that question, what is a follower of Jesus? A follower of Jesus is someone who does what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? Proclaim the kingdom, heal the sick, cast out demons, and raise the dead. Does this make sense? Jesus is the liberator. He liberates. How does he liberate people? He connects with power. He brings such power that he changes them so that all that they knew in their head connected with their heart and it made sense. What we have, we have a tell culture. We have too many things being spoken, too much 
words, not enough power. So I've taken the thought, rightly or wrongly, I've taken it and thought um, figuratively or literally. Meaning, figuratively, heal, cast out, raise up. Literally, I've experienced all those things as well. But figuratively or literally, it doesn't matter. I think Jesus healed people and healed people. I think he healed them physically, and I think he healed them emotionally. I think he cast out demons, and I think he cast out things in people. I think he raised up the dead, and he raised up things in people. Does that make sense? It's, a, it's the verbs. It's the idea that it's an active lifestyle, that anywhere we go. So what happens, though, is that right now we have Jesus, who is the liberator, who is interceding for us. He's praying for us. We have the enemy who is accusing us. He's stealing, killing, and destroying. But the beauty is, take heart, greater is he that's in us than he is in the world. So we are experiencing the liberator, Jesus, because we've been liberated. If you've been liberated, that simply means that you've been transformed, that you realize who you are. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God. I'm a son of the Most High God. I have been saved by the blood of Jesus. I am free from sin and death. I'm a new creation. No longer do I live by those old ways. I live in my new ways. Do I still, am I still in the world of the old ways? Yes, but I'm a new creation. Does this make sense? So for you and me, we are people of the Most High God. We are liberators. We are like Jesus. If you go to the next slide, please. So Jesus came to destroy the works of the destroyer. But the way he came to destroy the works of the destroyer are completely different than the destroyer. The destroyer, Satan, wants to be like God. That's his, that's his bent the whole time. It's, he's full of pride. He so wants to be God, and it's killing him that he can never be God. But do you realize he's just a fallen angel, and he leads one-third? There are two-thirds of the angels and the creator of Lucifer. He has made himself up to have power as if he's equal to Jesus, but he's not. He's, all of the power has been stripped away. So when the beauty of the cross, to me, the cross is Jesus kicking Satan in the teeth. That's the cross. So then the cross then means that we are free from sin and death. But you know what the enemy wants to do? Accuse you, remind you, you're such an, you don't think, you're not who you think you are. If everyone saw what you were really like, how, right? Keep you hidden, keep you down, keep you, take your legs out from under you, constantly killing, constantly destroying, constantly. But what we know is Jesus came to change things. And guess what he did? He trained, his change the world strategy was to come in humility, born in a manger, not on a big throne coming down from heaven in the very beginning. He came in a manger as a little boy growing up in Meeker, Oklahoma. And all of a sudden he grows up. Sorry if you're from Meeker, by the way. But if he grows up, and, and then this little boy grows up, and even at 30 years old, he walks into his home church. And they're like, who does he think he is? Right? 
So all of a sudden, Jesus reveals it and starts living it out for three years. Follow me, mimic me, 12 of you, come do what I do. What is he doing? Why doesn't he just take the throne? Why won't he be president of Israel? Because he's the king of the universe, and he's restoring the way. And the way he restored it was he liberated us first. And then he says, now let's go liberate. So for three years, if, or let's just say a, a year and a half, if you were with Jesus, all you would be, all you would see was what he did. And then he would say, okay, now uh, watch me, do what I do. Okay, now it's your turn. It's called apprenticeship. It's your turn. You go do it. So in Matthew 10, Luke 9 and 10, Mark 6, rarely gets talked about in churches that I've experienced is that, I know it is here, I know this is Tim and this is the heartbeat of this church, is for us to actually do that work. Jesus says, guys, I'm gonna send you all out two by two. I'm not going with you. I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit for a day, is basically what he's saying. I'm gonna give you power and authority and I want you to find people of peace and I don't want you to take anything with you. Don't take money, don't take food. I want you to find people of peace, stay with them and when you're with them, I want you to freely give them what you've received from me. And I've given you power, remember, and authority. I want you to tell them about the kingdom. And I want you to heal the sick and cast out demons, just like we've been doing. Last year and a half, I want you to do what we've been doing. But I'm not going with you. And everyone's like, are you serious? You're not going with me? You know that feeling when you're like with someone and then they said, now it's your turn. And then you go and you're like, I don't want to screw up. I don't want to screw up. And these disciples went, and guess what? It worked. Jesus was showing them what life was gonna be like when he was gone. Because Jesus said this, it's gonna be greater for you when I leave. It didn't make sense to them, but it did to Jesus. Because when I leave, I'm going to come inside you, and I'm going to inhabit you, and I'm going to do, we're, we are going to do far more than I could have done just by myself. Does that make sense? Jesus is in you. He's in me. We have to act like liberators, sons and daughters of the Most High God. We have to be activated. When we're activated and fully aware, then we can do what his disciples did. So he did it with 12, they all came back and freaked out. He did it with 72. All right, let's do that again. 72, I'm gonna loan you, I'm gonna, you can rent the Holy Spirit for a day. I'm gonna loan you for the day. Give you the Holy Spirit, now you go do the same thing. They came back, guess what they said? Are you kidding me? Oh my goodness, even the demons came out of people in your name, wow! And can you imagine Jesus like, really? Like, you don't get it yet? Guys, get this. You are Jesus' change the world strategy. You are. I am. How did Jesus change the world? He didn't change the world just to go manger to the cross and go, it's finished, it's all good, can't wait to see you guys in heaven. That's what normally everyone thinks. Christmas, Easter, heaven. It's way bigger than that. Here's how it works. It's Christmas, Easter, Holy Spirit in us, activated, following Jesus, walking everywhere, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead. We're liberators. Could you go to the next couple of slides or next slide for me? Keep going. 
There we go. Put your name in there. Jeremy, a liberator. Mike, a liberator. Jessica, a liberator. Ryan, a liberator. You are the liberator. I am the liberator. I'm a freedom fighter because of Jesus in me. So I can go anywhere and do exactly what happened. My favorite verses ever is Acts, I think you can put it up here, Acts 8.4. It says when, when Philip went into, uh, when the disciples were persecuted, they went into different towns. And when Philip goes into a town in Samaria to proclaim Jesus there, it says, the demons, with great shrieks, the demons came out of many, and with shouts of joy, the lepers were healed, and there was great joy in the city that day. That's what liberators do. Anywhere we are, full of Jesus, there's great joy in that place that day. Does this make sense to you guys? I've got these big lights. I'm trying to see your eyes. It's hard. What I'm saying is this, you guys, we are God's plan for liberation, now, if you could go to the um, support challenge matrix again, there we go. Here's what happens. The enemy plays down in the right, bottom right corner. High challenge, no support. And here's what he tends to do. He tends to use you to dominate other people. So his strategy is to get you to get really mad at people, get really frustrated, to get, have low patience for people, no love, no joy. It's the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, good. No, it's the opposite. It's frustration, anxiety, bitterness, impatience, all the things. So he'll use us to take other people out. So the first thing we have to do is mitigate that. And get, no, I'm not going to be your pawn. But then the other thing that he tends to do, the enemy, he loves to do this the most. He actually loves to get you to partner with him to dominate yourself. And you get to the point where you sabotage yourself. If, I can, if I'm in the enemy and I'm going to take you out, I take you out on yourself first. Oh, I'm, I'm such a loser. God, I did it again. Man, see where I'm going? How many of you talk to yourself in the car? Raise your hand. You're crazy, right? You're crazy. So what you do is you talk to yourself. And what, do you, what is your self-talk? Don't do that again. Stop it. Why aren't you this? That's not liberation. That's domination. And the enemy might be partnering with you. So what if just right now, today, what if you start with that? Holy Spirit, I'm going to partner with you to liberate me so that I'm the most free person ever. Do I sin? Absolutely. Do I want to sin? Never. Do I? Yes. What do I do about it? I partner with the Holy Spirit. Help me with that. That's not who I want to be. Do I liberate myself? I look in the mirror every morning, call myself up, not out. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, calls people up, and that's what a liberator does. They call people up, not out. The enemy calls you out and down. He wants to keep you down. He wants to take you out. And if you give him that, then you're still giving him the power that's not his anymore. He doesn't have any power. All power is in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, any demon can get cast out. Anyone can be healed. In the name of Jesus, people can raise. 
in the name of Jesus, sin can go away. In the name of Jesus, there's freedom. In the name of Jesus, there's power. And in most of us, we're allowing Satan to have too much power. Jesus came to destroy the work of the destroyer. So would you partner with him? Would you partner with Jesus to destroy the works of the destroyer in you by accepting who you really are? Would you come and allow Jesus to have more room in your heart? Would you allow him to come and heal? Would you allow Jesus to come and cast things out? Would you allow him to come and raise you up into the position that you really are? Most of you don't know who you are. You have superpowers. You have the superpower. You have a Holy Spirit. You have Jesus, the King, in you. But you've not learned how to play. You've not learned how to use those skills. So what does Jesus do now? Follow me. Look at the difference in Scripture. I mean, really get into the Scripture of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and look at the difference between the disciples in the Gospels and the disciples in Acts. They woke up to who they really were in Acts. Does that make sense? And when they did, they started walking with secure, confident humility. They took ground. We, we need, um, do we need big initiatives in the city? No. We need two people in the Holy Spirit. Two people partnering together in the Holy Spirit can do the exact same things that Jesus did back in the day. It could be Philip going into a town tomorrow. There could be great joy in the city that day because you were connected to the Holy Spirit, stepping into who you were as a son or daughter of the Most High God, being fully liberated and fully free to heal and cast out and raise up. That is your opportunity. It's for you to step into who you really are. All I'm doing is playing a part with Jesus to call you up. Do you know who you are? Would you like to know who you are? Because he doesn't look at you as a sinner. He looks at you as a son or a daughter. He's calling you up. Come on, kids, my children, step into the role you're meant to play. Step into it with vigor and excitement and joy. Step into it with freedom. And when that freedom comes, soak in it. Can I get an amen? So, Lord, we love you. We come to you. We ask that you would call us up into the role that we're to play. That you would remind us who we are. That you would, that you would remind us of our role in the kingdom. That you would remind us that we are liberators. That we're freedom fighters. Would you give us the ability to step into that? Would you bring more freedom into our own lives? Would you take away any condemnation we have on ourselves? Would you allow us to have our own healing? Holy Spirit, would you come and would you open the door to more, to more freedom, more liberation in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.